0: That was Pat Boone, and Send Me the Pillow That You Dream On, you are tuned into the Whiskey and Cigarettes Show in the company of your Cabo Nova, Romy the Rodeo, and the Italian Dijonik. And my people, it's truly an honor and a pleasure to welcome the show today, living legend Pat Boone. Hey Pat, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great, and you know it's kind of funny that the name of the show is Whiskey and Cigarettes, and, and you're being so kind and nice and hospitable to me, but I don't use either one. I just I just keep going and sing my songs.
0: Oh well and you definitely do you've definitely done an awesome job of it thus far, I would say, Pat. Well, we just heard this great song of this great version of Send Me the Pillow That You Dream On from You. And what what I was wondering was, what made you decide to cover this particular song?
1: Well, I'm a country boy. I grew up in Nashville. I'm one of the very few artists. Uh, in, in country either country music or pop music or rock who even paul mccartney and others have gone to uh, record in nashville but i did not i grew up there and i my first records were country records and i continued to make to record country music my whole career i've probably done more country songs and even country albums than some who are considered country greats now just because of the sheer numbers of records because that's the music I grew up in, the music I love. And uh, even though I love it all, the, the country songs with real heart, real emotion, like Send Me The Pillow You Dream On, just they're my thing, that's what I love.
0: And you definitely did an awesome job of it. And you know, you of course recorded numerous country songs throughout your career. And you know, yep. how, did you, how did you go about choosing which particular songs you wanted to cover? I mean, did, what was it that you know maybe attracted you to certain songs compared to others?
1: Well, I just loved them. One of the main things I looked for, wherever it was possible, uh, were low notes because I'm one of the few singers. <laughs> There's some now in country like Trace Atkins and some others who have big, big voices, but they weren't common then. And I love Jim Reeves, He'll Have to Go. I love some of the other songs that gave me a chance to use my my lower tones, baritones, uh, rather than the kind of middle or, uh, or tenor tones of so many singers. So the, the songs I love to sing were mainly romantic songs, but gave me a chance to, to sing in my normal uh, voice range. Mm. Well,
0: and, that's, and that, made, that makes total sense. And you've had, of course, the chance to meet a lot of these country music artists. You know, I know that you rub shoulders with quite a few of them, but so far, you know, who would you say stands out for you? Who would you say is your country music
1: hero? <laughs> well, I, it couldn't be anybody other than Garth Brooks. because he's just the biggest recording artist, probably single artist ever, uh, other than Elvis, perhaps. But even Elvis sang a lot of country music, because he too was a country boy. He was from Memphis, I was from Nashville. But, um, so Elvis, Garth Brooks, uh, uh, Jim Reeves, gentlemen, Jim Reeves, Eddie Arnold, and of course my father-in-law, Red Foley, I married his daughter Shirley, and we were married 65 years Just she went to heaven just a couple of weeks ago and uh, and it's tough right now. She's not here in the home with me that she made such a home for 65 years. But Red Foley her dad is considered by I think most all country singers and fans the best country voice and the best country singer ever because he studied actual classically. He studied voice training, but instead of going to the opera, which he could have. He went to the Opry, the Grand Ole Opry, <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah. and he became a classic.
0: Mm. Definitely, and I definitely would say that he is definitely one of the country music gods for sure. And, you know, you yeah. have, have had an incredible career, you know, a movie star, a published author, singer, of course, Which of these mediums would you say that you are most comfortable in? I mean, do you consider yourself more of a movie star, more of an author, or more of a singer?
1: More of a singer and certainly a recording artist. That's the thing I love most. In fact, this may surprise you, and I haven't known it myself until the last few months, because I wasn't keeping up with it. It was all moving too fast for me to try to keep up with. For instance... My first record was in 1955. It was a rhythm and blues song called Two Hearts, Two Kisses. And in, the, and in between March of 55 and February 56, when Elvis came along with Heartbreak Hotel, I had six singles that were million sellers, although a, a couple of were double-sided records. Both sides were, were hit singles and uh two of them number ones that was in 11 months before elvis hit with heartbreak hotel and that's uh a record that i that i don't think anybody's ever touched the other is uh, 220 consecutive weeks on the billboard hot 100 single chart without ever being off and usually with one record going up and the other going down the charts at the same time 220 consecutive weeks so that Now, after 60-something years, it turns out that I'm the most recorded male vocalist in history. I've recorded more songs. Frank Sinatra recorded uh, 1,500 songs. Bing Crosby, over the course of his huge career, recorded about 2,000. I have recorded over 2,200 songs in many genres, jazz, country, rock and roll, movie themes, patriotic, gospel, you name it. I... I've just loved recording because when you go in a studio and you have a song you like to sing and you have good musicians and good recording people, you make something that will last virtually forever. People will be hearing your songs after they no longer see your movies or anything else you've done. And it's, it just has been a mysterious attraction and a joy for me to make records because they last. They, people love them for generations.
0: And I think that, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And I think, of course, you know, your legacy will live on for many, many years to come. And, you know, you speaking of having been in the music business for such a long time, what would you say yeah. is the secret to your longevity?
1: I think it must be my sheer uh, diversity, because, you know, when I came, it was, it was rhythm and blues, and we turned it into rock and roll. Elvis and I and others doing rhythm and blues hits, and we called them rock and roll and did them our way. Uh, and, and, but then into movie themes and country and gospel, and I, whenever some, one thing was sort of cooling, as far as record taste and the audiences, I, would, I could switch into something, another thing that was still popular. And in my 50th year as a recording artist, I put out five albums, which was stupid because uh, the record distributors could not handle five albums by the same artist. I should have known that. But in my enthusiasm and gratitude for 50 years, now it's over 60, but 50 years, I put out a country album, a gospel album, a patriotic album, uh, a real rock and roll album, and a, a, uh, let me think, what am I leaving out? (laughs) I, I guess, well, the heavy metal, the heavy metal album and uh, with big band jazz uh, arrangements. So I was just too eclectic really for my own good uh, because people were confused about who I really am or was, but still now you can go back and listen to all of it and and say, well, he was a good jazz artist, he was a good country, he was a good pop artist, he was a good rock and roll artist. (laughs) And, um, And so nobody had no other singer, even Ray Charles, can make that statement even he did not do gospel of all things a black artist raised in the church but he never a lot of his music sounded like gospel but it wasn't mm. <laughs> and so uh, i i i guess it's my sheer eclecticism or diversity that kept me going and in, in in the public eye and ear
0: Oh, well, definitely. I think you know, if you can stay current, I think that's definitely a, a recipe for success. And, of course, you touched up yes. on Elvis a few times. I know that Elvis actually opened for you in 55 on the Pat Boone Show. And when it comes yes. to Elvis, what are your treasured memories of him?
1: Well, he was simply a nice guy, a fellow Tennessean. He was, he was extremely talented, of course. He was extremely handsome. As people said, he looked like a Greek god from some of the statuary uh, from, the, from the Greek <laughs> days. Uh, so he was handsome. He was a nice guy. He, he was very talented, more than we even thought. We thought he was just a rock and roll fad, but it turned out he could sing everything from rock and roll to gospel. He loved gospel music and even got three uh, Grammy nominations after his death. Uh, and, and I think Grammy Awards for his gospel recording, not his rock and roll. And, uh, and, and but the other thing about Elvis was he was socially shy. Hmm. When we met that first time in 19, what was it, 19, uh, wow, it was 19, I can't even remember the year. <laughs> 50, I know it was 55, yeah. the fall of 55 in October in Cleveland. He was, he was, uh, he had just been signed by Sun Records, from R- I mean, by RCA, from Sun, and his first record, Heartbreak Hotel, had not been released. Nobody had heard it. Nobody knew him. But Bill Randall, the nation's number one DJ at that time, had me come in from New York where I had moved, where I could finish my college at Columbia University, and our second child was on its way, and I came into Cleveland to headline this big sock hop, this big dance. He was playing records for three thousand kids, and he brought Elvis up from Shreveport, Louisiana, where he was considered a rockabilly, that is, he was doing country music with kind of a rock sound, on the on the uh, uh, what was it called the, the uh, oh gosh it, it was the Shreveport uh, Louisiana show Louisiana Hayride that was the name show in Shreveport and um, and so nobody knew him in Cleveland. And Bill Randall introduced him as a nice young man and 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 come out to do his one record, which was a Bill Monroe bluegrass song, a blue moon of Kentucky. <laughs> and and the, the kids liked the way he looked and the way he moved, but they didn't much care for that song because it was it was bluegrass country. But then after he finished that they gave him a polite hand of applause. He said, Thank you very much. Like do the other side of that record for you. Hope you like it. <laughs> and it was uh, that's all right, mama, that's all right with me. It was rhythm and blues and they loved it, wanted more, but that's all he had. So he left, I came out. I had three number one hits at that point. So I got all the screens that night and I had the good sense never to follow Elvis again.
0: (laughs) Well, um, but you know, and you were definitely a star in your own right. And speaking of which, for all the, you know, budding young artists out there who someday want to make something of themselves in the music world what pearls of wisdom can you give these artists how would you say they can stay in the game and make something of themselves
1: well that's a huge question but i'll give you a very simple answer because that's as i always tell the young young people girls guys who may want to be singers or actors or entertainers of some sort i say look all I can tell you is what I did. I made God my agent. That is, I committed my life and my career and my talents to him and asked him to use me in some way that would be good for other people, not just for me, because I wanted to leave a positive mark, uh, in my life, something that was of benefit to others, not just to me and maybe my family. And so he took me up on it. And I said, like all good managers or agents, He could open doors that I couldn't, that I knew nothing about. When I go through the door, he would help me make the most of the opportunity and do it with some confidence and uh, keep opening other doors. And that's how my career grew. I never created anything, any opportunity for myself. I just uh, walked through the doors when they opened for me. and, And it's because I was making him my manager. And I said, if you will do that, if you'll commit your life and your talents to the one who made you and gave you your talents and then then only obey the opportunities that give you a ch- your chance to be honest and to be honorable don't sacrifice your character to try to be a success only do things that you can do honorably which is what I did I turned down good opportunities because I couldn't conscientiously do them and so God would give me a better opportunity and uh, so that's how I did it that's the only way I can suggest other people do it because sometimes people want to be stars they just want to be stars whether they have the talent or the character (laughs) to 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 manage it and God knows who they are what they can do and what they shouldn't do and some people waste their lives trying to be entertainers and when they really it was not meant for them to be and uh, so the doors don't open or maybe one door opens, they get one little taste of it, and then they spend the rest of their lives trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. Mm. And it's just a futile way to live. So I always say, again, the second point is have plan B. Plan for something else that you know you can do, and you know you can make a living and support a family. Make sure that you have that talent or that schooling to to fall back on. That's why even my career going a 1,000 miles an hour, and with two kids, I stayed in college and graduated from Columbia University, magna cum laude, with honors. Because I still thought, with my early career going, that I was going to be a school teacher, mm-hmm. and I had to have a credential to do it. And to my surprise, the career kept going, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I never became a located uh, teacher.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, words of advice from a star for sure. And uh, speaking of great of great stars and great things, Pat, we're going to be going into another great song of yours, which will be "Jambalaya on the Bayou." You know, of course, originally done by Hank Williams. And when it came to this yep. particular song, what made you decide to cover this one?
1: Well, I was doing country classics. That's one of the all-time classics, of course. If I, it's hard to think about doing an album of country classics and not include one or more of Hank Williams' songs, because he wrote so many of them, You're Cheating Heart, and, and all these other great songs of his. Um, and then you've got to include Tennessee Waltz, you've got to include Jim Reeves' He'll Have to Go, and all these other songs. So Jambalaya was just that fun, up-tempo, joyous song that uh, people could dance to, they could uh, just have fun with, and that was Hank Williams' genius. He he got he died I think at 29, mm-hmm. a young man, uh, but he had written so many great enduring songs like Buddy Holly, uh, these these guys they were bright candles but they got blown out too fast, but we still have their music after 50 or 60 years, so uh, I had to do Jambalaya.
0: Oh, well, you, and you definitely had to. You did a great job of it. Well, we'll be going into this great song. This will be Pat Boone and Jambalaya on the Bayou. Pat, I want to once again thank you so, so much for your time. I truly appreciated it. And of course, I want to wish you continued success with your career and all the very best for 2019.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You said some nice things and you're playing some good music and I'm glad to, glad to be with you. Oh, the
0: pleasure was definitely ours. One more people, you heard it from the legend himself, Pat Boone. Here's another great song from him. This will be Jambalaya on the Bayou. You are tuned into the whiskey and cigarettes show with your Italian DJ Nick. We'll be right back after this.